Hello and welcome to the Emotive Pixels podcast. This is our episode for Never Alone, also known as Hisima Ingichuna. With me today is me, your host, Nate. To my left is... Alberto. And his left... Will. And virtually... This is Craig. Before we get started, please be aware that all of our podcasts are spoiler heavy, and this one is no exception. Our question today is, what is your background with documentaries? My background is, I kind of like them. I don't watch very many because I don't really tend to watch very many things on the moving pictures. How about you, Alberto? I'll admit for... So I love I love movies, I love watching TV, and I love all of that stuff. I will say in terms of actual legitimate what would be defined as a documentary, I haven't watched a fair number of them, mostly because I'm not usually in the context where I have the time to sit down and watch through a documentary. A lot of the documentaries I used to watch were with my dad on the History Channel, so things about Egypt or them, World War II. I find them kind of soul-crushing. I mean, sometimes like, it depends on the on what the documentary is about. I will say a recent documentary that I did watch, which I absolutely loved, was Blackfish. That was a really good Also soul-crushing. Definitely yeah, very case in soul, point for me. Very yeah. soul-crushing, very soul-crushing. That was a great one, though. But yeah. How about you, Will? Um, personally, I tend not to watch very many documentaries, and of the few that I have seen, I am I, I always feel kind of suspicious, and yeah, it feels like it, maybe, yeah, very potentially, it could be very preachy propaganda e, and I lack this full picture when I watch them. I'm somewhat off put by documentaries in general. I can see how that's probably not fair, but that's the way I feel, sadly. How about you, Craig? So, I really enjoy watching documentaries with that caveat that you have to know when you're going into them that you're going to get the filmmaker's perspective or their influence on what they want to show you um, as part of a conflict or whatever the documentary may be focused on. One of the most recent ones I watched was Going Clear about Scientology which very clearly is from one particular point of view, right? So, but I, I, my Netflix queue is full of documentaries and I don't have a lot of time that I watch a ton of movies, but if I am watching something on Netflix, it's just as likely that I'll turn on a documentary as it is that I would turn on an actual movie or something else of that nature. Cool. So we begin our podcast today on that very disappointing note (laughs) by discussing the plot of this game. I kind of wanted to run through each of the settings that we go through in this game because I had kind of neglected some of them in my mind. And then maybe we could kind of contribute some things that stood out to us about each section or if there were any sections we particularly disliked or just some of our thoughts about the setting in general. So you begin kind of in the tundra and the wasteland and it's wintry and frozen. And eventually you're presented with the concept that it's been very blizzardy, right? Like you're wondering why the winds have been so strong that's our quest, right? Yeah, like I don't think that to, happens until after you go home, right? No, 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 no. That's why you're out there in the wilderness, and then you get to your village, which is the second location, and you discover that it's been attacked and burned to the ground. But, like, the whole reason why you leave at first is because everyone's just sheltered because of the cold and the blizzard, and it's going on for such a long time, and the character, the main character, decides that she wants to go figure out what's causing this blizzard and what's going on. So you take off because everything is bad in the hometown and you decide to figure out what had happened. And if I'm not mistaken, 
Is that when you encounter uh, Manslayer, which is what I call the evil? Yeah, when you the scary dude. Yeah, when you see the nearby village in flames and in ruin, you see that it's because that one guy, Manslayer, has been the cause of that destruction. Yep. And so from there, you leave and you head out onto the ice, which is kind of a long section, and that's where you're. Well, you kind of get chased. He's chasing you. Yeah. yeah. You run away and you manage to escape onto an ice floe where you float away from him. And then eventually you get swallowed up by a whale, Jonah style. Before that, though. There's a polar bear. Yeah, well, there's a polar bear that, that scares you. Yeah. You run into your sidekick. Yeah, you run into Fox. That happened at the very beginning. His name? It's after Manslayer, but yes. I believe. I'm pretty sure it's after the Manslayer. Craig, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it was after Mansler, but I think uh, you're right too. the fox is very early established that it's not something to be feared within the wilderness, and instead will be something of a companion, assistant, or companion, yeah, or, or possibly a spirit animal. Some may say yes. So you're inside the whale where you can swim about, and you manage to escape the whale. There's only one way to escape a whale. And then you arrive at a blowhole. Yes, thank you for clarifying. As they did in Pinocchio as well. And every other piece of whale-based internal medium. Except for Moby Dick. He never escaped. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes you just die in a whale. (laughs) Sometimes. You can't find the blowhole. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. So they escape the whale. They do escape the whale. And when you escape the whale, you arrive on a coastal village where you kind of are introduced to the Aurora, which are pretty cool. From there, you head on to the ghost forest where there are ghosts. Then you kind of head on to the forest lake with the tree. From there, you go into the tundra meadow. You find a giant. And then there's all the chases and the game ends. So just with that sort of plot synopsis of the game, did each of us have a favorite section? I know I did. Okay, Will hated them all equally. How about you, Alberto? I'm thinking. I liked the way the auroras looked. <laughs> Thank you for contributing that gem of positivity. That will be all we'll be hearing out of Will from this episode, ladies and gentlemen. That was literally That's fucking like, incredible. I could, I, could, I could hear Will scraping the bottom of the barrel with that. Yeah. Like, like, I'm pretty sure that he lost all of his fingernails with that. Yeah. So let's bring it back to an iceberg, shall we? Because that was a chilly moment. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. No, but in all seriousness, the iceberg and kind of when you're marooned on the piece of floating ice, mm-hmm. that was probably one of my favorite scenes within the game. I like Just kind that. of that and, moment of solitude. And the video you unlock at that point, too. Yeah, that's true. So yeah. when you were introducing the game, we didn't even comment on the videos that were interspersed that play a pretty oh, yes. significant role as you're traversing throughout the world. Absolutely. I think this is as much video game as it is sort of documentary in a way. Absolutely. Very focused vignettes. Fortunately. Excuse me. Unfortunately? Yeah. Have you looked up the reviews for this game out of curiosity? Oh, no. Hmm. How's that relevant? It's one of the things I found most interesting is that most of the review sites I visited lauded the game very consistently for all of the documentary aspects of the game. I think that earned this game a much higher rating than it would have without them. 
And I think that that's certainly my approach or my thoughts on this game as well. Of course, I have a pretty significant bias considering my undergraduate background, I guess, but... I, I didn't have that, and I think that I... I mean, I think we both really appreciated this game for similar reasons. But Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> but we'll get to all the videos in a second. I actually yeah. have quite a few thoughts about that. I would say, I think my favorite part probably was when you first get introduced to the fox, actually, and you first start learning how to traverse. It's like the platforming sections? Yes. Not really because it was a platform, but just the whole... Just the aesthetic. You now have a sidekick, say. Yes, that makes sense. I really like the... Uh, and it's an arctic fox, which just fucking rules. Yeah. Pretty much. Really cute and badass at the same time. I really like the sections inside the whale, of course. Of course I would. I think my favorite part of the game is definitely the bit where you're kind of floating around in the ice and the spirits and the fishes help guide you around. Like, that's a, just a very beautiful scene with the whales coming up to the surface and stuff like that. I think that was very gorgeous. I think surfing on a house was pretty cool. <laughs> All right. Let me talk. Tell us more, Will. There's a part where you're on a house and the house is like crumbling or it's that oh, village yeah, yeah, that's yeah. on the stilts and you're slides down. Yeah, the house slides down the hill and you're like trying to go and jump and jump from house to house. <laughs> you're basically surfing the house. That is really cool. What I'm hearing is you really enjoyed the triple I set piece of this incredibly indie game. Yeah. The closest what thing to that? like I'm not Prince being disdainful. What does that even mean? No, I mean yeah. That's kind of sounds yeah. a little disdainful. The the everything I say. Does. The giant was a way bigger set piece than any, than anything else. The it's giant was cool. The shadow of the colossus. I was moment. just gonna say, but, yeah. but I do agree. The uh, movement within that portion, and then when they introduce the idea of the aurora borealis, I guess it's not an idea; it's an actual thing. But when they actually start showing it dancing across the sky, mm-hmm. um, and the spirits. Yeah, the spirits are kind of showing up. It's a, just a minimal moment just because something that goes past the game into my personal life is something that I want to experience in my life. Hell yeah, yes. so I thought, connects on a different level. I thought that that, again, referring to the videos, which we'll talk about <clears throat> even in more depth shortly, I thought them introducing the Aurora video, introducing kind of the cultural perception behind the Aurora that you need to like yeah. stay protected from them was really cool in introducing the gameplay element of them being like bad, you know? Yeah. Like I thought that was really cool that it showed that they really integrated the cultural view with kind of the gameplay things. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think I we, feel like Will has a strong opinion. I think on we that. get to the videos now. Cause I think, yeah, that, why don't we just jump into the videos? All right. So as you progress through the game, you unlock, a series of videos that are usually at least somewhat relevant to the things you're doing in the game in time. Like we were just talking about when you were, when you first see the Aurora Borealis, there's a documentary, a little vignette that springs up about kind of how the Inupot view Aurora. And it's basically that when kids go out at night and the Aurora are out, you need to kind of stay protected and kind of watch out for them because they, what, what do they do? What is the thing? They like to play football with children's heads. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a cute little thing. And I think it, after having seen them even just a little bit earlier this year for the first time, it kind of makes sense. They're a very strange presence that I don't think, if you didn't understand them scientifically, they're definitely pretty odd. And I can see them being threatening as well as being pretty. Where the heck did I write it down? On PC Gamer, 
Edwin Evans Thurwell on PC Gamer definitely said that for the videos, it's less of an unlock and more of a reclaiming, which I thought was a really interesting clarification. What is that even supposed to mean? Well, I think that when you when you hear about something that's an unlock in a video game, it's kind of like, I think it has a sort of a trite implication. And I think that the idea of reclaiming these videos kind of represents the idea that, that this whole game is standing for. I think in the larger cultural context, this game is an attempt to help keep a culture that's perceived by the outside world and its own members as dying out. Like, this is... This is if you're going to get all semantic, reclaiming gives, comes in with this oh, it should be mine already and you've taken it away from me connotation. That's a horrible... I, I don't really think so. I think it's like reclaiming it from being lost. Like bringing it back Agreed. to the surface is kind of how I feel reclaiming is in this case. Taking it back, things that should be mine in the first place, that's what... It's an awfully... Well, obviously it's not really... I don't think grandiose. it's reclaiming from the perspective of the average, like, middle-class white, middle-American player. I think it's more to the native community themselves. I think this game is helping them reclaim a part of what makes them special. It's, it's yeah, and if you were going to compare it to collectibles, generally a collectible, uh, what it's, it's become now is a way to pad an experience, right? It's something to give the player something to do within a world to hopefully have them stay within it a little bit longer or maybe give just a little bit value where the way that these are integrated, you could arguably say that there's more value from the documentary pieces than there is from the actual gameplay. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that collectible also has become mm-hmm. sort of synonymous with pointless like I get all the collectibles in Uncharted when I want to earn a platinum trophy and that's really the only time I do that mm-hmm. I get all the collectibles and in, you know insert game here basically only for that reason I, I'm hard pressed to think of a game where I've cared about finding the collectibles anywhere near as much as this game sea shanties yeah the sea shanties are cool flag. Yep, those were very <laughs> cool that's a good example that's about the but only example then, they, I have though they did affect your gameplay pretty consistently. Like, you were constantly given rewards for collecting them. But it wasn't like it added context to the whole experience of the game like this one did. I don't No, think if you that... remove this this portion of it, the game is dramatically different. Yes. Like, if I this portion itself is not part of it. Well, they are. They are, like, you... You don't... can choose not to, but you will dramatically reduce the quality of your gameplay experience. That's they are insane. functionally not optional. That's not true. I mean, you can <laughs> well, you can go through the entire game and play this game without Why would you care videos. whether or not an Aurora was going to hit you? I think a lot of this... You don't know why, because you haven't watched the video. Well, I know, but you learn... You like, have the no first... content. The That's things fine, that but make... Like... There's when you, not when you're playing with most platformers. Yeah, like if you're playing the game and you don't watch that video, the first time you go through and you see that it happens and it kills you, you're like, oh, okay, don't let them touch me. I don't really know why, but for whatever reason, it touched me and it killed me. It's you the can same still as a bunch of other it. platformers. Every platformer has its own set of rules. In some, it's all, anything that's red is going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Most of them don't even have rule sets like that. It's a lot of times trial by discovery. So... If you strip away the documentaries, this is still a functional game. I would agree that it's I, subpar at times. Platforming controls might become more apparent. And I think especially if you play this game one player, you might get a pretty underwhelming gaming experience. But I, I think all the things that make this thing interesting are the, are the stories. No, I know. that's what we've been saying. We, we, I don't even know that, about that. No, that's not what you're saying. You just said the opposite twice. 
Fox, not dog. We said that if you don't have the videos, it's a functional game. It's going to be a different experience, but you can still play I, it. Like, but why would you? you? Yeah, I think it, that's where it comes down to. I, I mean, I agree. That, I don't think that the video should be taken out at all. Like, I love the videos in this. Like, it's... I would... I didn't want to just play this game. I sought out those videos because every single time something was introduced or I wanted to just learn more about the culture of what was going on around me with the game. Sure, it was... Actually, when I would move on to another section and see that I missed a video, I would say, oh, let's go back because I want to learn more. It wasn't like, oh, I need that trophy. I wanted to learn more of what was going on. Why did they introduce one thing or another? Or what did they have to say about one thing or another? So I think it's a pretty common view of most people that played and especially reviewed the game that the Documentary fragments are what drives this game's progression forward. I think. Come on, talk to me. Don't top out on. To Alberto's point, though, why do you think they hid some of the documentary features away? I mean, they didn't really hide them, but they made them definitely optional. There is points in the story where you could bypass a section and not realize that you had missed a video. I think those are the ones that don't tie into the stories directly. Yeah, I think there was only probably two or three that were actually either off screen or in an area that required a little bit of additional platforming. Yeah. Yes, I, I think that's true. Will, you, you accused me of copping out. What, what question am I supposed to be addressing exactly? I was talking about the way I feel about the game and your response was, well, you know, most critics think that it's okay, so you must be wrong. No, it's not what I meant to imply at all. What I was going to lead into with that was... Is it a bad thing to have something outside of the context of the game drive us to play this game? That is an entirely different question. That's an interesting... To me, that's kind of the question Will's getting at. I believe in the conversations we've had before reviewing this game, before getting here tonight, what I've heard from you is that you feel that it's a fairly unremarkable game with some interesting bits thrown on top of it. Sorry, I'm nodding. You can't... Yeah. You can't hear me nodding. So, I guess that's what I'm kind of coming at this from, is that background knowledge that you might feel that way. First of all, if that's not correct, feel free to correct me. But if it is correct, I guess that's kind of where my question of, is it bad that this game is sort of linked together critically by these documentary pieces? Um, sorry, let me, let me get my point of view out here from the start so you guys know where I'm coming from. I think these videos are amazing. They look beautiful. They're really helpful to understand the culture. I think that watching the videos helped inform the gameplay and you understand why you were doing the things in this game. The game on its own as a gameplay experience, I found extremely choppy and all over the place. So I remember also one of the things you said was that you were aggravated by the, like, presentation of you unlocking a video you felt that that was taking you out of the world at the time is that correct Uh, i wouldn't say by the presentation but it's jarring you're going from one point where i'm doing my platforming i'm getting into the world i'm getting to know my fox and then i abruptly stop and i have to watch this video spend three minutes and do this do something else well interruption you don't have to watch it then you basically yeah, do though the example of the aurora like it i think we kind of came to the consensus that if you don't watch it it's a little bit like the world the game is a little bit worse off for it like yeah i, I felt like it was almost a, a chapter break right all of a sudden it caused like an instant into a certain point of the game and then 
definitely started off the next section or precluded what you were going to experience in the yeah, next it, like, five minutes, it. ten yeah, minutes. Exactly. Yeah. You don't need to know spoilers for the matrix you don't need to know why neo doesn't run up the stairs to understand that the okay. fight with but mr smith is really irrelevant. cool can you, can you let me finish my sure it, the, you don't need to know why he doesn't run up the stairs to see that that fight is really cool but knowing that the action of him staying and fighting is really important changes the whole meaning behind that scene I don't think that the Matrix is trying to teach us anything about a different culture. So oh. there doesn't need to be anything that informs us of that. We already understand the, like, the touchdowns going on. I could watch these videos and get the same from the f culture without playing the game. Go. But you, there's plenty of documentaries that already exist on native life, and you haven't watched those. Maybe you have. I'm not sure. I think the, the beauty of this is that this makes these vignettes accessible. I, I think the stated mission of this project was to present these cultural ideas to a generation even within the native american community that's moving further and further away from folk like their folklore their their oral tradition which is how most of the cultures around the world have passed on their knowledge from one generation to the next for the vast is this a way of retaining that folklore yeah absolutely yeah. it's so, a way of preserving when this, good this feels like a church bringing in video games so that they can preach to you they're not making the message available through the video games. They're just using it to tease you into the church. Well, I mean, one thing that they were talking about when they were developing or thinking about making this game or before even doing it was they were trying to figure out, okay, our younger generations, yes, we're trying to tell this story, but our younger generation, it's going into a new medium of how we retain or they retain knowledge of that and the other. And they talked all the time about how even the kids that went to schools in rural cities of Alaska, that even if they didn't own a TV at home or anything, all of them shared one thing that they really wanted to do, which was to play video games. And so that was one of their main reasons for why they wanted to say, okay, let's see if we can make a video game that still gets this traditional story across and really make it so that it's what kids want to play and will have fun with doing it, but still teach them. But this and isn't a message through a video game. This is a message through movies with video games cut between it. I would like to... I, I agree with your point. It makes sense, and that's a very good point. And I think that, to a certain extent, you're right. I do think that it's a little bit more nuanced than that, though, because the elements of the gameplay do drive home the narratives that the videos are bringing to the table. What examples would you give of that? Interdependence. They talk a lot about living off the land, being in touch with nature. Kind of keeping in touch with the things you kill, like only doing what you need to do, and I think that, like, harmony with animals, that sort of stuff, and all of that's... The idea of Sia, right? Isn't that what that was called? I believe so. S-I-L-A, Sia, the idea of weather, the atmosphere, yeah. the interaction. Yeah. Are you talking and about I think that the spirits that... on the level or just you and the fox? Both? I was thinking more of you and the fox. Nua and the fox. I, I think that it's a little bit more complicated than just a standard game linked to some ideas of a documentary. Like, I, I get what you mean, though. Like, I can see feeling a little bit like you're being tricked into learning. 
I think a lot of this comes from the context If of- they had just done the voiceover on the top of the game as you were walking along, that would have felt way better to me. I don't think... I disagree. I, I don't... Yeah. First of all, you get to see that these are real people. You get to see some of what Alaska really looks like. Like, I would... To me, that would I be... would have felt like a game instead of a, a movie with... it's. This is like... You know how there are games where you're like, oh, I go and play the game and now I have to sit through the cutscene? This felt like the reverse. Like, I was watching the cutscenes and then I had to walk forward through the game so that I could get to the next cutscene. I, I understand what you're I saying. I don't necessarily dispute that. Yeah, I was going to say, and you touched on earlier that the platforming was convoluted and clunky. I guess convoluted is probably not the word, right word, but it was definitely... Yeah, a lot it's of not a seamless experience. What, yeah, a lot of times you could see what you needed to do, but actually doing it was the difficulty, which is never, probably never a very good thing to have happen in a platformer, at, at least if the difficulty is due to controls and not due to just sheer, you know, Super Meat Boy-ishness. Yeah, it made me wonder why they chose to have those more precise sections within the game, knowing the limits of the controls. There's actually a really interesting quote from the About section of their website. And that statement is this. It requires a commitment from the game developer to work with an indigenous partner who may know very little about video games and actively take on the role of cultural student. The developer must be willing to change preconceived notions of what the game could or should be and recraft it in a way that reflects from input from multiple voices within the community so that the gameplay experience successfully encapsulates the important values and perspectives of the story of the people from whom the story derives. The developer must be willing to open up the design process and work hand-in-hand with elders, storytellers, cultural ambassadors to make a game that is truly a joint creation. And I think it's that last sentence that really made me think about some of the gripes I had about the gameplay. This game was designed very much in touch with the community, it sounds like. A lot of the art was done by Upper One, but I think with a tremendous amount of input from the community. And I get this that quote made me start thinking about the fact that the gameplay probably was too. And a lot of these people don't have a lot of experience with video games. One of the reviewers on, I don't remember what site, pointed out that this is basically a game full of common tropes that we already have seen in video games a thousand times. And it's those documentary pieces that take them from just being tropes into being something interesting, something representative of real people's lives. It's almost the documentary that elevates this game from just another platformer to something else entirely. And even if they'd made a game that did tie in the concepts of the world in a seamless way presented as a game, I think it would have been a little less interesting than really getting in, like seeing the videos really drives home that these are real people. No matter how well presented and how integrated into the game you made that idea, I don't think it ever would have re- like viscerally reminded you that this is a real thing. I think we all grew up learning about Native Americans and we all learned that they lived past tense off the land. It's a lot more difficult to kind of reconcile what that might look like now. And these videos, like these people are very real. Like that's still a thing. And to me, that's one of the reasons I get so sensitive about the videos being criticized is because they were so... It's so refreshing to see that community painted in a light of present tense rather than past or dwindling. I don't think anyone here, though, is criticizing the videos, are we? No. It sounds like... I loved the videos. They were beautiful and awesome and incredibly informing. It's, I guess, it sounds to me like Will would have preferred a game where the videos weren't necessary as pure video. As something that as was integrated something into the game. that was taking me away from the game, I. I uh, can you ask your question again? I. To me, what I've taken from what you said is that 
this game would be better as a game if it didn't rely on videos of the human world. If all of the concepts in these videos were explained in in-game terms, things that didn't take you away from the game. I, I mean, think that would make a better game, yes. But I feel like that's not really jiving with how much you really like the videos. I'd actually also then ask... I think they can be two disparate things, right? Yeah. I, that is the way I feel. And maybe then the question should that we should be asking is, was their end goal to make a really good game or was it to get a certain experience across to whoever was playing it and i think their emphasis was more on the latter i agree i don't think they yeah, were trying to make a good game i was gonna say and i i mean the videos no one can dispute what we all probably learned from it i mean just hearing about how they use the caribou for example to hunt them at different times of the season based on the hair length because of the warmth that it would provide and clothing. Right. Like, that type of stuff is it was fascinating to learn about. And I don't know how you portray that within gameplay mechanics. And maybe that challenge would have been impressive if they would have been able to figure out a way to do it. A throwback to our... This feels a lot like our discussion at the end of the Spec Ops podcast. Where you were saying that... I'm sorry. My my stance was that the game would have been better as a game if they had made the combat better. It, to which your response was, well, if the combat was better, then it wouldn't have gotten the point across. And this isn't the exact parallel that I was hoping it would be. It's that the, the, the key is, in order to get what they wanted done, I would have felt better as a game if they had spent a lot more time and money and energy making the game part more important and just better feeling in a whole plethora of different ways. But I don't think remotely that it was the best way for them to invest their money to get what they were trying to do done. It, by that, you mean you don't think it was the best investment for them to spend the resources on the documentary portions? No, 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 no. Vice versa. I, I think oh, oh, what I they see, did you think what was, they did was a the great way to get their... Gotcha their message across, get what they were trying to do done. They It would have been a better game if they had done the things that I'm talking about right now, but that you're, you're right. This doesn't is going to be a very similar with... point because to me, I think one of the things that makes this a good game to me is that I was very motivated to finish it. Was it because of the gameplay propelling you forward or because of those well, documentaries? It's definitely the documentaries. That were, yeah. yeah. All right, and it was, it was something that pushed me through the game in a way that I don't think a lot of other things in other games have done. I think as I get older, my attention span for games gets a little less, and I get a little less interested in completionism. And I get a little more interested in the idea of what a game is trying to get across and the world it presents, and a little less interested in how the story resolves and how everything wraps up at the end. I think one of the things I really liked about this is that there was never any point at which I was not excited to continue. No, that makes sense. As we all get older, we more experiences in life and the time that we're going to spend on different things. I mean, it's a little bit clearer to, to see what we want to get out of an experience. And that does kind of beg the question though. I know that you had specifically towards Nate, some, you mentioned earlier that within your college uh, degree program, 
this kind of has some parallels to what you had studied directly. Do you think that had a play on how you experienced this? I think so. Or a lot. colored it? Yeah, I think it definitely has something. I think that, you know, I did anthropology in undergrad here at the University of Washington, and I don't know that I took a lot of functional skills away from that from the business world, but one of the things that I really got was the idea of being much more interested in how other people did things and much more empathetic and much more interested in the world beyond the one that I grew up in. And I think this game definitely played right into that idea. In my undergrad, I focused mostly on Cold War studies, lots of stuff about Russia and the Iron Curtain. So I didn't do a lot of proper Native American study. It wasn't really until I visited Monument Valley that I began to get really passionate about that. So with all that being said, I think there was definitely a context there for why this game was appealing to me. And as soon as I learned about it, there was no question that I was going to play it. So yeah, that definitely might have been a big part of what was motivating me to finish. I think Alberta, Alberta would be a better example of someone who might be a little more objectively neutral on that. Yeah, I think like at least, I don't know, for me personally, and I, I might be in the minority for this with most people. <laughs> it's because he's Mexican. Yeah. yeah. With most people that played this game, I maybe like I said, in the minority, but I didn't think that even while playing the game and then pausing to watch the documentaries or little vignettes took away from my immersion into the actual gameplay. And maybe it was because I guess I didn't really focus too much on it being a platformer or... Did you ever feel like you were Nuna? No. No, I was okay. So you weren't very immersed by the gameplay. Couple thoughts on that. Yeah. One thing is, did you notice that there was a vignette effect for most of the game, kind of like faded to black at the corners of the screen, Mm -hmm. and there was kind of a hazy perspective for most of the game. It was sort of a near focus, like the camera was like you were. It. It. I think it was designed to be presented like you were looking in at this world through someone's eyes. Yeah. And I think that the scale of the world and kind of how the scale of the world was presented. It made me feel like it was someone young who was watching. Maybe that's just reaching for straws, but to me, the main character in this game isn't Nuna or Fox. It's both of them together. I feel like, so the, the vignetting normally for me signifies more of a old timey memory. Like this is something really old. Yeah. I don't really think of that as a point of view. Maybe I'm... No, that makes sense. Um, could be. I hadn't really thought about it. The other piece is... Do I think that I felt like both of them? Uh, I think this is a good time I think to far ask. more than particularly brothers, where there was a lot of time when I didn't know who I was, which brother I was, until one of them went away. In this game, I always felt like I was the girl and the fox was tagging along. Did you ever play a two-player with someone else? We played a little bit together, right? Just a tiny little bit. Did the way that you felt when you played two-player Of course, I played the girl, right? So, maybe I should have played the fox. Maybe. I mean, sounds like the girl was more of your character. But I think the way that this game plays when it's one-player is totally different than the way it plays when it's two-player. And I think they almost should have required it to be two-player. So that's a good question, Nate. What was everyone's experience here when they played through it? Was it a single player or a multiplayer experience, if we went around? I played mostly multiplayer. Oh, wow. Uh, sadly, I uh, only got to play it single player. Mostly single player with, like, this 
Pardon the Whale, uh, Nate and I did together. How about you, Craig? Uh, Single player as well, and I think that you're right, Nate. I think that does influence the way you would experience it, especially like some of my gripes with the game, I guess, would have been the AI was constantly infuriating. Ah, Too strong of a word. There were just moments where... you that it wasn't like natural, I felt like. Yeah, exactly. Where or it'd get like a little bit too far away from you, and if you were the spirit on would one disappear. of the spirits, it would just disappear and you'd fall. And I was—I feel like the that walking type of tree stuff was a little irritating. But I think you wouldn't the wa- run into that right if you had another partner controlling the other human, or you would, but it'd be more comedical. I think the walking tree would have been far. Uh, maybe go just say easier. Yeah, if the. The spirit at that point was a human helping me actually get across that, whereas doing it by myself was just a, oh my god, it's so painful. Yeah, the more that I think about it, the more I wish it had required you to play with someone else. I actually think that when you start the game up for the first time, I actually think that the default is two-player, if I remember correctly. Because I remember when I started it up like i saw that and i was like oh do i need co-op and then i switched to the option and saw single player i was like oh okay cool but i can't remember don't hold me to that you might be right i wish there was someone else that had played two player as well because it really does feel to me i did play a bit of this game single player and to me it really does feel like when you're in that mode it's you run ahead and then you switch to the other character and you kind of catch up or like adjust the character where they're supposed to be. Like you're always kind of switching back and forth. And I feel like that really detracts from the idea of two people in union because it's not that it's literally completely disjointed. It's not that at all. The game's not constantly, but very regularly drawing your attention to the fact that you aren't quite as in sync as you should be. Yeah. Which runs directly counter to the narrative. Yeah. I was going to say that the narrative is dead on as far as how interconnected the entire world is and then to have that kind of jarring disconnect. Yeah, I think that's, to be honest, I think that's one of the worst places this game could stumble, and it does. I don't think there's really a lot of denying that. I will say that... Although, if it was co-op to the point of the original maybe mission statement of the game, you instantly limit accessibility to it and... Who would have the option of being able to experience it? And when you take it from me, when you do play with your friend, you'll discover that both people are now frustrated with the controls, and that's going to cause problems of its own. So, you know, it's not a perfect experience by any means, but I think it's, I think we're more willing to be like, dang it, Matt, why did you do that? Stupid. You you know what I thought was the most uh, annoying piece of this? What's that? Is there were, if playing single player, if the the computer gets itself into trouble and dies, then oh, you yeah. lose. Yep. You have to start over. Yep. Like, come on. Yeah. There's is... stuff like the fox got caught by the aurora, and I'm like, I have to start over. I've made the jump. Per- oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. I will say the one part that took me more away from the game than any other part was playing single player when you're fighting the polar bear for the last time, when you kill the polar bear, and like you're in that little, like, cavern where you gotta have to like jump up yes. and like both get away and then like have like the ice fall so it breaks the ground this that and the other like i replayed that spot 
over and over again because I had to time it just right playing single player. And I was sitting there with my girlfriend at the time and I was just like, God damn it. This sucks. Yeah, I think I died more on that section than anything else. Yeah. I think that was one of the yeah. few sections I was playing solo. God, it sucked. Uh, Clearly a stumbling point, but... Yeah. I also did... I know Will mentioned that he played as the the girl most of the time. I found myself playing as a fox a lot of time just because it was a little bit quicker and I felt a little bit more responsive than the girl. Yeah. The jumps were more satisfying. Oh, my God. Yes. For sure. I think that... Did any of us feel like the controls were a little Ico-like? Or maybe Hmm? not the controls, but just the nature of constantly being frustrated with your companion? (laughs) Sorry. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I thought about that like as I was writing my notes. Like, oh my like, god. Oh, god. That's an interesting I can't unthink it. I just think of it as like a Pico's this style. really interesting game. <laughs> it's the precursor but, to uh, Shadow of the Classes, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. But you, you're trying to save this princess and Ooh. you grab her hand and you drag her along and yeah. then like there'll be some platformy thing. And or like some monsters come out, so you drop her hand, and as soon as you drop her hand, she starts crying. And so you go fight this up while she's crying, and then you grab her hand because she won't move at all, or and things like charge at her. And if they get her, then you're done. It's like, oh my god, she's completely useless. So it's like a more frustrating version of uh, Mario and Peach, right? Yeah, it's like, well, it's like if you had opposite. to go Peach the entire way away. back <laughs> with Peach. Once you got Peach, you had to go all the way back through all eight <laughs> levels, holding her hand the entire time. <laughs> yeah, Yorda made Definitely. that a little painful. Yeah, Craig, you brought up the the point that there was an awful lot of environmental variety for a game set in what we think of as just the bleak, frozen north. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. When you're traversing across this world, I was actually consistently surprised by the variety and the beauty shown from what you could imagine of just being an Arctic desert, more or less, where you would anticipate it to be a barren land. But I think the game does a really good job of showing not only why, but how the people live there and how they're able to sustain life. It does a great job of showing off the different aspects of the tundra as well whether it be the water and how that's utilized or forest the caribou uh the mountains to a certain extent i think it shows that I think life is like a joy there like not yeah. only is it a place where people can live the game kind of makes you think this is a place where i'd like to be like i i felt like i could see why these people have worked so hard to create a sustainable environment there Oh, hey. I think I kept the gameplay pretty fresh, but Will, what were you going to say? No, I was just. Ain't no way you're getting me to stay out in the cold. Out of your mind. Little baby over here. Yeah, little baby for sure. First world problem. I ain't 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 moving to a warmer climate than this ever. (laughs) I got a hot ass uh, studio place here. If they don't have these giant parkas on their heads at all times and their faces burn off, like seriously? You can can always put clothes on to get warmer. You can't always take off clothes to get warmer. All right. That's a great... I'm just saying, if I was buck naked in here right now, I'd still be sweating my ass and balls off. It is so hot in here. It's very warm. Hey. So at this point, we took a little break, and I was really rightfully called out by my fellow co-hosts for being a little bit contentious and for not fully engaging with Will's points that he's been making, I think, very wisely. I'd like to apologize to the audience and my fellow co-hosts. 
these a couple of years later, because I think that's absolutely correct. Especially editing this now, looking back at how I was behaving. Craig pointed out during this break that this game was very obviously very important to me. I think that's very true, but I don't think that's an excuse to not have some interesting conversations around some pretty valid points. So with that being said, I hope going forward from here in the episode, we have discussions that are a little more open-minded and enjoyable. Right back to it. I wanted to talk about... I'd like to spend a couple of minutes talking about the BOLA and its use as a gameplay mechanic. I know that I, we'll get to shortly some things that are really great about this game, but I don't think this is one of them. I mean, I will say that yeah, of of the like glitchiness of the game, yes, this is probably one of the glitchiest parts of it, where it was like you basically like you the way that it works is you pull back in the direction opposite of which way you're facing, and then but you have to start it at the 180 degree angle of where you want to release it. You can't change that direction when you start pulling back. Yeah, you can. No. You can pull back and then move the thumbstick around. It'll show, like, lean up or down. Oh, sorry. But what? Mm. Oh, you mean, like, 180 degrees if you're facing the wrong way? Right, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, it's just, like, if you're not, like, if you start doing it and then you realize, because, like, you're, when you're about to use the bola, you're not really looking at your character. You're looking at what you're about to hit. And there might be a time where, like, you just started moving away. Move and a little then, bit the wrong direction. Yeah, and then you start trying to use it and then you just move further away because it's not the direction that you're supposed to be facing. And then when you finally do, it's just like, okay, this really should be a lot easier than this. So basically the steps to shoot something are pull back, look at it, pull back. Yes. Yeah. Look at it, (laughs) like face the direction of it, pull back and then fire it and And try to like hit the right angle to fire it at. And there's no... I think I'd be yeah, more there's concerned. there's no aim or anything. Yeah, I'm it's more just concerned like a, about the lack of a reticle. There's nothing... The character is animated as either leaning up or down, mm-hmm. which does a good enough job at making you understand where about it's going to go, combined with the fact that you know what approximate angle you're pushing the stick at. The problem is there are platforming sections where you have to do it quickly and pre- relatively precisely at very small targets, where you have to break ice in front of you or something. And those are the sections where it's kind of like... I'd, if even if I just had a couple little dots going out of the bola at the direction yeah. it was going, this would be a little bit different experience. But it didn't even matter which direction you pulled it back, right? No, it didn't matter initially what direction you pulled it back. It's just where you let it go. But at least something like at least like. But I thought, wait, don't you have to go all the way through into the other side? I don't think so. Do you? Do you just, I thought you just have to go back to center. No, 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 no. You have to go. No, you have to go all the way. Like you have to actually launch it. Like go. You have to go to the, to the, the right side, side right? Oh. Yes. Like, yeah, if you, if you were pulling back to the left, then you go all the way to the right side to make it yeah. launch. And th- and that was actually one of the other glitchy parts of it, is, like, if you didn't do it quick enough, then it just canceled it. I'm trying to I recall, though, because that exact point is what would have helped tremendously. If, if there was just a little bit of guidelines that would have helped to alleviate that frustration. Yeah. Was there any point in the game where there was on-screen commands... Uh, no, they like. Okay. I mean, the most of that was just like when they were teaching you what buttons to use to do so, so like such things. But there was never like a like all of a sudden it would show the triangle button and oh hit this now. Like right, there were that's no, a quick time event. But yeah. how did they present the controls in the beginning? They did use the buttons, right? Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it did show when like a video would pop up. Hey, hit the touchpad to to bring that up. I just didn't know if they were trying to prevent breaking the immersion of having 
like a line displayed within the game world, but right. I I don't think I can bail them out of this one. It doesn't no, seem like yeah. something they were really worried about. <laughs> it does seem, yeah. It, 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 at least it could have been like, even if it was just like really fit, maybe even if they had it where it was like wherever the bola would end up, maybe that part was like illuminated and that's it. Like maybe not even like a guideline that goes all the way across the screen, but just like something where it's going to hit. So, I could have said the spirits. Even just were the world, where it was yeah, go. yeah, the spirits, or just they the could world have explained it within the world. Yeah, yeah, I think absolutely. everybody was expecting Angry Birds controls, right? D- yeah, actually, when I saw this game, I was like, "Hmm, that's a cool Angry Birds knockoff." Actually, I completely forgot about Angry Birds. Wow, to be completely, honest. I envy you. Boosh, <laughs> 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 give me what you're taking. <laughs> but that's what we were expecting, right? You pull back in a direction, you press X, and it just goes into that direction, right? Something like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it is basically the same mechanic. Yeah, Somehow it just didn't logical. feel yeah. that way. You can level the same so, criticism at mini games that are shooters too, right? It's, yeah, that is very Call true. of Duty has pretty much nailed down how that should feel. Okay, and so, when you have a moment that doesn't feel good, it sticks out because you're like, there's plenty of other examples where people have nailed this mm-hmm. in games that this isn't even a primary component of. Like The grenade indicators within Uncharted are miles ahead of anything here because there's actually something there. Okay, so assume that what the game designer was doing was trying to make you feel like you were throwing a bola and you were trying to come up with the closest approximation to that feel using this controller. I would like to say the sound is pretty good. Like the sound. Yes, that I did really like. Did like you- it, it, I think that encapsulates part of the feel. As far as controls go, I've never thrown one of these things. Is I would assume that what I'm doing to wind it up doesn't really tie into which direction I'm throwing it. Although the direction back and forth would kind of make sense, I would guess. If I'm winding it up behind me, I can't exactly throw it behind me, right? That's so I guess true, that yeah. kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel good, you know? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I think the most important part about throwing that thing, obviously I haven't done that either, is keeping it spinning evenly. Yeah, I would I, honestly, when I saw it, the closest thing that I could think of, and I haven't even thrown this successfully that well, I've tried, but not very well, is, is the opening pitch of the World Series. No, I would, no. <laughs> Kill me. Okay. Please don't. No, is throwing a lasso. Yeah. Definitely. Right. It's just a tiny version of that. I, well, with with weights, which I guess yeah. probably makes it a lot different. Yeah. And I remember, I forget what it was. I know that there have been, like, toys from when I was a kid that have, like, some something weighted at the end with, like, a string. Obviously not a bola, but something similar to that where, like, there's multiple ones and I could never figure out how to get it where, like, it all of them uniformly move around in a circle circle and it's like that thing like even. that the cowboys throw where it wraps around your legs and makes them trip yeah. up right yeah right right Ding? yeah same thing and like i've never figured out how to like actually successfully like maneuver one of those things the cowboys like the cowboys but. actually respectfully appropriated that from the native community they, they pay them uh dividends every time they sell one <laughs> right <laughs> story cowboys very respectful people oh yeah <laughs> oh geez um <laughs> So that leads me into another point. What did we all like about this game? What was what were some things we really enjoyed? What did it do well? 
What are your warm fuzzies about this? I think I'll just pick one to start. I already mentioned it. These videos are beautiful. I don't understand. Like, I've got a 1080p camera, and it does not look anything like this. I don't understand how that videos just look amazing. One is the video quality. The What they're actually showing, there's some interesting stuff in the big white landscapes. But I just, I loved the video quality. And then I also really... From the video's point of view, I really enjoyed how they helped inform the gameplay. I've talked about before how, like, a lot of what makes me really like a game is, like, how immersed in it I can be, or I end up becoming, or how much I, like, feel like I'm actually that character, this, that, and the other. And this one, this game actually immersed me in a different way, where I've talked about this a couple of times on other of our podcasts, but back in 2010, I went to Ecuador for a study abroad program, and... After the first five weeks or so of being in the main city, we were put into another host family in a rural city, very near where the capital was. But the whole point of it was the the organization that we were doing the study abroad program with was they were trying to re, I guess, not really, not even re, to actually get documented information about what the life and like history of these rural cities were and the communities in those rural cities. And so our job was to go there and to interview the elders in the city and like ask them about things about what they did when they were young, like what was life like, what they do for ailments, this, that, and the other, and to actually get it transcribed and written down. And so with this game, I feel like with its mission of basically trying to not let a traditional, a very traditional story not die and to kind of keep it reliving with current generations. I loved that a lot. And so that's what, that's what really drew me to wanting to continue playing this game. Cause it just kind of reminded me of that experience of mine. Do you feel like stories are more valuable from older people? Not necessarily more valuable. The value of your story correlates strongly with your age. I mean, with your life experience. Yeah, I I would say maybe. I would say that what I feel more is that I feel that stories from more elderly folk are very often overlooked and. People kind of almost like say like, oh, well, that's not relevant now because of X, Y, and Z. For instance, they're like older generations are only people that can say, we saw what things were like before and what they are like now versus us right now. We have a very small window of what that was like. But for instance, like people that I wish I could go back in time and watch the first time we landed on the moon. Like I am jealous of. You mean the time we faked landing on the moon? Oh Lord! God damn it! <laughs> God damn it, Nate! But no, yeah, like I like I like I'm so envious of people who can say like, yeah, I remember watching that with my parents on TV, and then seeing all this other stuff happen, and it's yeah. But you can watch the but, World Trade Centers fall, or you remember doing yes, that, and there's I, people yeah, I know and, that don't. No, I know, and yes, every generation has something new, but 
again, that's coming from because I'm now older. When like stories from um, people that are older than us, they give us a perspective that we can't have or that we right. can't see. Do you? I'm having a hard time framing this question, but I. I think that I think having a. 26-year-old Mark Zuckerberg tell me a story would be far more interesting than a 100-year-old Nate telling me about how he lived before and after Facebook. So it'd be more relevant to current experiences. There might be knowledge you could glean from it immediately. What are you talking about? I'd much rather hear the person's narrative of how Facebook impacted their lives and society at a whole as opposed to some dude who's just powerful in the moment now because of something he did arbitrarily. Well, not arbitrarily. It's <laughs> complete. Like, I don't know. His like, passion, his creativity, his need to try and change the world. Okay, but. Is far more you, interesting than, oh, yeah, I used the tool that didn't exist. Well, it depends on what you want to get out of the story. When I started, there wasn't cars, and now I have cars. Yeah, I think Nate hit it on the head, though. It depends on what you're trying to glean from that experience, right? And what uh, type of experience you're trying to gather information about. Yeah, I mean. To me, the advantage of listening to someone with more perspective give me advice is that I'm more willing to listen to what they have to say based on their perspective, perhaps. I'm more willing to look harder for a lesson that applies to my own life from someone I feel like has something to tell me. And I think our own priorities of what that might be, of course, are different. For you, it's a Zuckerberg. For me, it's a hundred-year-old you person yeah okay, okay well they, yeah, that's so weird <laughs> of course i'd love to listen to me talk but the, the point is who wouldn't like, who wouldn't oh oh the point is like what we are looking for out of a story will directly determine the context in which we're most willing to listen to it and from who we're most willing to listen to it so if i want to know about how war impacts societies then, yeah, I definitely would talk to someone of advanced age. If I want to know about what it feels like to have created something, then I would talk to someone entrepreneurial in my own age. I feel like there's a difference between talking to a 30-year-old soldier who just got back from war versus a 100-year-old, 60-year-old guy who saw a bunch of people go off to war and come back. Well, okay, but again, definitely. like with... You're correct, but at the same time, both of those two stories are going to be completely different because one of them is in the here and now. It's a very, not necessarily, I don't want to say reactive perspective, but it's a very, like... It's okay, immediate. Yeah, it's it's there versus the elder is probably going to be giving you just a summary of, like, what, like, after Distilled years of... gradually over time. Yeah. yeah, like, years of processing what they experienced and or, just, like, everything else, what... What's the like the end for them now? Or like, what about that soldier sixty years after returning? Right. That you know that hundred year old isn't just a hundred and an outside observer, but a hundred and an inside like, participant. Like I would almost say that the like you know the person that just came back from the war right now, that story is going to be almost like okay, here's an action film, boom. Versus the elder is like here's a documentary. Yeah. Like the two, the two, like you, you watch an action film. And the, the feeling of it, it doesn't mean that you can enjoy both of them very much, but the feel of each movie is completely different. I, I guess I wonder if we've gone off topic from your original question. I don't think that age alone is a virtue for a story. I agree with that. But no, I, I don't necessarily want to say that 
if that's like what was portrayed by what I said, no, I, I feel that there are definitely very young people as well that can give very insightful views about something, but it's, yeah. Well, how is that relevant to this game? Like, what's the what's the connection point with Never Alone? Well, I was just exploring the thought that Alberto brought up, and that is that it's kind of nice and interesting to hear these little old t- people talk about their cultural remembrances. I guess, like, my experience was, of course, like, we were going back to, like, we were going to elders talking, because, that, like, that was the focus of what we were trying to figure out. But with this game... What I loved about it is they didn't not like the the interviews that they had were not only very old people. Like yes. some of them were very old people. Some of them were about you know some mid thirties. And and then yeah, and one of the things that they even talked about was even after they made it, like they they didn't just reach out to elders and such for this. Like they would go to like some of the high schoolers and some of the people even younger than us and have them like say like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, what would you like to see in this? And like the kids even talked about like when they played it they loved how much they were they felt like they were being a part of creating this i think that is your understanding of the context around the game i don't think that any of that was in the game well i mean it's a first off it's a game so i would say that's i don't think there were was any evidence of children talking to us in the game not children no but there were people our age yeah the guy who talked about being trapped on the ice floor I think you're conflating two different points here. One is... Well, okay, are we going to almost say that we need to have someone of every single age between 1 and 100 interviewed and put in here to say that it was... That's not what I'm saying at all. You're arguing that this story is not told by a bunch of old people because after they did the game, they went and talked to high school students? But it never was a part of the storytelling process. It was nothing that I think that came across as part of... The undercurrent of the story in this game, I think, was very clearly not a plea for relevance, but a case to be made for what this culture has to offer the world. And I think that this perspective of very young children in this case is certainly relevant to that culture. But when you're a child, you're just growing up doing the things that you're taught to do. It's not until you get about, you know, maybe a little younger than we are that you start to appreciate what that means in a broader context. And I think that that's why the Ages of the voices in this game began at about our age. Because those are the people with the context to sort of present this narrative against the rest of the world. And I mean, who knows? Maybe so I, 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 I don't think I would have wanted a bunch of little kids being like, yeah, dad, kill the fox. I was, I was about to say this can be a critique against or for the game, but maybe part of the reason of like the people that they actually did have as video, like who they were actually interviewing and who they decided to actually show in these vignettes. Maybe they picked them because they felt that people not from that community would not take it as seriously if it didn't come from someone that we might perceive as knowing more. Because I would almost argue, I don't know, because I didn't grow up in that type of a environment or culture, but I would argue that there might be even some kids there that we would see as kids in our generation who are more mature than even us just because of what they have like what their lifestyle is like what they have to do i mean how many of us when we were 13 had to go out and make our own coats or whatever and why wouldn't you accentuate that 
I'm not saying that you wouldn't, think but maybe not everybody would, and maybe that, like, again, maybe this is a critique against think, or for the game, but maybe... I think that this was very clearly a proof of concept for what E-Line and Upper One are trying to make more of a thing, which is their world games movement, which you can read about on their website. There's very clearly a link to email them that says, submit to us an idea, like, pitch your world game. And I know that even before the game was released, they were reached out to by a variety of different tribes from across the world. They named several in the Siberian tundra, some, I think one in Hawaii and a couple in the Amazon basin that contacted them asking for help making similar games about their people. So this is, I believe that this is a sort of a foray into this idea of respectfully storytelling a native community's stories from a team that had no prior experience doing so. So I think a lot of the shortcomings of, this game and maybe some of why it sort of is pretty trim around who they had tell these stories is due to that. You know, they they have something to prove here. This is definitely something that hasn't really been done before. Well, and I think that even when you're looking at the culture, when you're seeing the people that are doing the interviews, they're performing them in a modern setting, right? It's not like it's on location in an igloo on the tundra. It's much more from almost within a museum-looking space where there's some kind of pieces of their history around them or in glass cases, I believe. Mm -hmm. And having the elders kind of speak to the points that they had had and the experiences in their life, I think it was... I took it almost in a way... It's irony that you're playing this on something so technologically advanced and showing the simplicity within life and getting back to nature that can be provided by living in the such way that they, you know, tell you about and trying to experience what they're presenting to you. Yeah, and I think they also lead more of a, a fusion of current and past lifestyles. Like, I, they live in homes with heating. Like, you know, it's not like... It's not some antiquarian culture that hasn't adapted. When whale hunting is done, I do believe they use guns. Like, it's a... Yeah, it's it's not exactly a culture that hasn't changed. It's not a one to one. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Will? Might temper myself later, but like maybe I'm just far too suspicious about this. But it, without any young perspective, it feels like they are <clears throat> and. That in in conjunction with the fact that this game feels like it's trying to be a video game that from a bunch of people who don't know how to make video games, that in coordination with there not being any young people makes it feel like this is just a bunch of old people trying to feel nostalgic with something that is completely gone now. Well, one thing that I would argue is when, I mean, this is a traditional story that they would tell kids like this is like a yeah this is from mini gray's remembrance this is folklore yeah yeah and so uh this is less of a story and more of a fable uh, you wouldn't at least stereotypically you would have someone older than like your your parents or maybe an aunt someone older than you telling you about the story maybe even like a grandfather telling you about the story there are 12 vignettes not all of them are about the same story. No, no, There's I'm, all kinds of information about all sorts of aspects of their culture. 
that's one of the things that makes this really interesting, as it's not just one person reciting one story. There are all sorts of aspects of this culture that come across. And to... It, it, it feels like, to me, that there's this giant hole. It, like, in my head, there is this analogy of a church with that can't bring in young people, and so they're putting the video games out. They're, they're doing basketball nights to get the kids into the church, even though there are that? not any... Just more of the youth? Uh, m- maybe. Is if there is something to show... Style? If there's something to show, there, it, it's completely possible that that there is not a community of young people that believe this way anymore. That what about the, the, the that their younger people continue to emigrate to large cities, like so happens out in the you know the what, the Midwest of our country. What right? if the purpose of this game is to remind the people of that age group that maybe there is something to hold on to? What if this isn't a bring people back? What if it's a show? Like what if it's it, I guess it sounds like it could be the same thing, but what if it's more of a, like, we have things that are cool, too, that are interesting enough to be in a game and kind of spark the interest legitimately rather than tricking them into being interested in it. Kind of to, to back that up, on the trip that I did in Ecuador, the very last thing that we did after we'd spent some time there is we sat down with all the kids in the rural city that we were in, like, at their school, and they would talk to us about they just wanted to get to know us a little bit as well and figure out things like what life was like in the U.S. and so forth. And then when we started asking them questions, we were like, all right, so, like, what are your guys' plans after this? And most of them were like, get the hell out of here and get to the city. Like, it was, and it was just this kind of thing where it was like, they, in in that community, they were losing this almost, like, pride of saying, like, this is where I came from. They were like, I want to get out of here. Right. I'm done. And It's not that... I don't think that they should be doing it. There's a very slight difference between me being, hey, this is a really cool podcast that you should come listen to because it's a really cool podcast. And, hey, this is a really cool podcast that all sorts of really interesting people are already listening to and you should listen to it too because you want to be one of them cool people. I don't really get the latter feeling at all from this. But this is a topic I have a lot of thoughts about. I think that if you look through history, I think one of the things that makes America so powerful culturally as a as an exporter of culture is the fact that the ideas and the media we put forth to the rest of the world make it seem like our life is so much better that people want to leave the life they lead currently to go become involved in it. And I think that you see that with Alberto's story with the people in Ecuador. There's the idea that where they're at is not as good as it could be somewhere else. And I think we, I don't think as much of that is as objectively true as we present it to be in the media we produce. I think that uh, things like this that give power to the idea of alternatives are very important. And I would go a long way to defend them because I think we can look at history and see how strikingly powerful it is when people are motivated to be like another. I think of, the Wind Rises, the Miyazaki film. And I think if, oh if you look at the Japanese in that movie, they are... And I think that that movie does a very good job of summarizing what the cultural context was like at the time. And, you know, even up until the 1990s in Japan, it's this idea that you need to be like this other culture. You'll do anything you can to get there. And in that movie in particular, the Germans kind of walk all over them and shame them for not being as advanced or as smart as they are. 
And I think that from the outside, you can see that Japan has some very beautiful things going on in its own culture. And the idea that you can see in that culture there that there's this race to become more like the other. And in so doing, they lose a lot of the things that make them truly unique. I don't like this way of articulating my point. I wish I had a better cultural example of this, but in our society, and I think of this example in particular, is that several years ago, I listened to a lot of media that was like, the Windows phone is amazing. Windows phone is building this ecosystem, which is going head to head with Apple. They've got all these features and I, and they have all these capabilities. You can run off this language. And I was in, I was like, yes, this is cool. This is going to be the next big thing. What the media is saying is that everybody's going to be buying into this thing three years from now. Everybody's going to be on Windows phone. I buy myself a Windows phone and find that three months later, the Screen. phone that I bought, nobody cares about anymore. The company takes a complete right turn. And all of a sudden, I'm the only guy. I, I, I was like, ready to jump in and be a part of the party. And I got in the party. Fuck, I have a better example of this. I held on like, to that for a while. I went, I went to a, a club in Japan where this bouncer was holding a curtain in front of the door. And he was like, 20 bucks to get in the door, man. I was like, well, fuck. I, I like the music. I don't know. It seems pretty like a cool place. I'll go ahead and pay 20 bucks. Uh-oh. I walk in the door. There were two people in the room. <laughs> this One of them was the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and the other was the bartender. Just kidding. It was Japan. It was a Game Boy and a bartender. But, but I fear that if you're not showing me that this is actually a real life thing, that it is just propaganda to try and get me there. And it's if, if I really felt extremely strong about what I felt in this game, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing, I need to move to Alaska right now, I, I feel way. like if I went and did that right now, I would not have any concept of what it is to so actually live would, like that would, right now. What would give you that broader picture? More videos that were more inclusive, although I feel like that would have been easily run up on the, like, feeling like a creepy propaganda video. Look at all these people. They're so fucking happy. <laughs> yeah, I was curious. Fire, motherfucker. They're roasting you, a caribou. Do you want it to feel like a recruitment video? I feel like Nate does. No, 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 I don't. I was just curious as to what would lure you in. And then I immediately thought about my suggestion was like a more inclusive video. And then I thought how hard it would be to make an inclusive video that doesn't feel like propaganda, and then I went off down that track. What Do you what think would, they want it to be that way? Do you think they would have any interest in having outsiders such as us come to Alaska? No. No. Well, then why give this story to outsiders? To, because we have a lot of stories in video games, and a lot I of think them are they're, based on sorry, go ahead. Western ideals. Why not just contribute one that's not based on our silly, stupid power fantasies or whatever else things we're interested in? And I would say almost even just to, like, show that there's more in this world than just, like, the West. Yeah. I don't think that the reason they're giving a story is because why not? I don't believe that at all. I I think think they're proud. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think what I said was why not. I think it was... To contribute something that they feel has equal footing with the stories we're already telling very actively in this medium. I mean, and even some of the interviews, they even talk about how they, despite them living and knowing about 
yeah, we know that there's technology. We know that there's, you know, people going around doing X, Y, and Z. We still choose to not live that way. And I think we still do this. I think that's one of the things that makes it powerful to, you know, the, the young people that play this game is, is that stake of ownership, that pride of putting it out there. You Just having it on the, the same level, being like, yeah, you can get a story about how we live on the PS4. Like, You mean that one high school's worth of people? You don't mean don't all know, young people, right? I mean the people that are young of the Alaskan Native community, at the very least. All Native communities around the world, maybe. I think that any community that's outside the heteronormative ideal is going to... All right. I think any community that's outside the scope of the way and the context in which we tell games now is going to be affected by this game and say, hey, yeah, like, our culture can be there, too. I don't think that's true. Why not? Why does this matter to a, a LGBT kid? Because it's a story that isn't the same story that's been told since the history of gaming that began. That doesn't also, mean anything to my culture. What? But what? Still, like, just because something's not a, like what? Just because that, somebody that, made a game doesn't mean that. Okay, well, my culture is going to be more inclusive. I would argue that. No, why? But, why does school? Why do we learn anything else about anything? Like you, I. What? What's I, your point? I feel like that. That argument to me kind of makes it feel like. You're basically saying, like, okay, unless you are someone who, for instance, like, unless you're Nate, who studied... Other people. Yeah, other people in college, and, like, that was your focus, you shouldn't, and, or, like, you shouldn't want to play this game or enjoy it. Whereas I studied electrical engineering and, like, spent most of my time in a lab, not interacting with people <laughs> except for my lab mates. And I fucking love this game. Like, I, like, it, like, and I appreciate it for the cultural story that it tells me and the, the cultural experiences that it gives me so it's like that you saying like for instance like why does it like why should this matter to like an lgbt person why should it matter to a, like it doesn't matter like just like that's that's boxing See, people up into like nate said that because i played this game any other minority culture is going to feel better no i didn't what I meant I to imply... I don't think he's... Yeah, okay, go ahead. What I, what I meant to imply was that I think... And please bear in mind that I'm a six foot seven, blonde-haired, blue-eyed male. So, I don't really know what this is like. But from everything I've studied and the people I've communicated with, there is tremendous empowerment in the idea of being a minority and even just seeing another minority represented positively in a medium. If you're a native in the Amazon basin and you see a video game come out... I mean, I, I don't assume a lot of people in the Amazon basin have a PS4 sitting around, you know, you know, the sacrificial temple shrine. <laughs> Sorry, that was stereotypical. Fuck's sake. If you do Jesus. hop on the, you know, the Amazon Wi-Fi on all those tree demolishers, oh, not, no. not Amazon TM. Anyway, and you see this game and you, you see another culture that's like yours, that's on the periphery, that's not there's something you have in common with these people. They're, they're lying outside the normal. And I think that it's very, very powerful to see that there is someone out there treating them with respect and caring to represent their ideas. And I think that that goes a long way towards pride in your own community. And I would kind of even extend that to say that. So that, that's, that's the opposite, though. If you're saying, if I find ideas that are more like mine, then I will feel better. I, I don't. 
I think the feel better is it's like, not you're not, not saying really that I'm for. that I will feel like I just think it's kind of empowering like it's a good yeah, there's representation of another yeah, culture adding, at least being presented in something that you're interested in seeing but it's I mean, not you're adding to you're, that spectrum but you're I understand what you're saying but you're you're saying that and then flipping it that anybody who is a minority will feel more empowered because this is happening but that's I'm, it's not that showing other ideas makes everyone feel better in and it might I think it but does I don't people that are outside the I would also I would also argue to say that I think that right now we are also using. Can I finish? 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 I'm gonna let you finish because you got so <laughs> upset about me finishing. What I? I know I never get to finish. He finished. Sorry, go time. on. Well, so I was gonna say I I think that one thing that we do need to be a little bit careful about is we are using, in my opinion, we are using a very limited version or definition of minority in the sense that it doesn't have to just be minority of race or culture but like just any minority of any idea like minority of representation yeah but it's not that it's that we become more inclusive by adding more ideas it's not that adding more ideas allows other excluded parties to feel more involved Why is it not that way? I'm I'm a little unclear on your point. Can you rephrase that, please? It you, you pointed out that the things that make this game feel interesting and compelling, or could, in theory, make this game feel interesting and compelling for people, are when they see the similarities. Maybe, but that's I, not I think, the, I think what he's I think I actually think what he's driving more is not necessarily find, like seeing the similarities, but just seeing that there is something different. Yeah, as well. Like, there's something else out there that's also different that's not the same as everything else. I and in that sense, that is a similarity because you, like, you yourself yeah, have... I feel like that's a very narrow-minded view of our culture and of video games. But it, that there are not already things that start to approach all kinds of different people, all kinds of different representations. Yeah, but usually they appropriate them with a white male protagonist. Like the, you get on the fringe of. Oh come on! No, it's true. Like, and I, I, meant, I mentioned really this on is the. Pretty true. You want to talk about the 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 five triple A games that come out a year? Okay, but come on, you're the how many triple? <laughs> no, okay, but well, I'm I'm so seriously. Like I will say, like, and I mentioned this in the newscast when I first talked about this. Is a lot of the times we see things in our day, like especially like here, of course, like in the West. We see stories about no matter how they try to. The example I gave was with the movie Avatar. They're trying to go with like looking at a native society versus a you know industrialized society, this, that, and the other. And in the end, someone from the industrial side goes to start appreciating the native side. But in the end. It's still like he, like that person who was from the industrial side is the hero, like is the one that kind right. of like takes the spotlight. This game, the spotlight is always on that native side, like the, the someone who's in that. They weren't brought into it. They're not like visiting from out of town. Yeah, it's not a tourist. You, it's if you them. want to take it to movies, you're like saying that because the 
10 million dollar or the the 100 million dollar blockbusters are all of a specific franchise then no other minorities are being addressed by movies i'm a little confused i i understand that i probably the, said it very strongly but i'm not making this an absolute but i think it is pretty alarmingly close to an absolute Sure, you're right. There's exceptions. The new Assassin's Creed is set in China. It's the off-budget one with no marketing. That's a side-scroller and kind of glitchy. From How what many I've heard, games but- have we played this year? That I mean, there's tons that don't even have people in them. How? Well, that's what I'm talking about. This is a game with people that is also about another culture. This is a human-presented game that is outside the scope. of... I'm not really convinced this conversation's really going anywhere. It's maybe, maybe it's best we move on. I was just about to ask if we bring how do we bring this back together? <laughs> well, well, well like, it sounds like you're feeling attacked over there. I'm not Do you feel like there's a problem with a representation problem. in the video game industry right now? Yes. Cuz I definitely do. It doesn't it, I'm getting the strong vibe that you don't. I feel like you are affected by a heavy confirmation bias. You're only thinking about the games that you want to enforce your point. There's plenty of games that are slight exceptions, like Papers, Please. I mean, you're right. Life there is are Strange. Other- what were the last three games that you strange played? Is a great example. City the- Skylines, City Skylines, and City Skylines. <laughs> Actually, although Gone just because a, a game Gone has a, a character that's not a white male doesn't mean that they portray them very well. That is also very true. Will and I were quipping about Tomb Raider on the way in tonight, and we were talking about representing women in video games, and I said that No One Lives Forever was the second video game ever with a real female protagonist. And he goes, what about Tomb Raider? And I said, no, female protagonist, not sex object. Well, I will I will argue that... Guess we're talking about recent, the original Tomb Raider, PS1? Yeah, I was about to say, because yeah. I will say that I feel that the, the newest Tomb Raider <sighs> did leaps and bounds on going away from the sexy and I, more to the just... The fact that she's a woman again—that's obvious confirmation bias. Have you looked up any games that came out before 1980 that had female characters in them? Would you like to give an example? If I, I'm sure there are some, man. But do you understand the concept of confirmation bias? I know, like, yeah, yes, we get, but at the same time, how because how can you, you sit here and tell me that you don't think there's a problem with this? I understand if I hunt hard enough, I can find him. But let's go down to the basic level. What gets marketed? That, thank you. Like, at that level, there's certainly a problem. <sighs> I think it's about time to move on. Nate, come on. What? You bring up a point and then completely ignore it. Come on. We've been talking about it for a half an hour. You said that the problem is marketing. How is there a difference? I didn't say that. I'm just trying to suggest what I'm thinking. Okay. It's very clear that you don't really feel like there's a problem. And if you hunt hard enough, you can find exactly what you need to find. And that's fine. I don't really feel that way. And, And your justification for that is marketing? One of my examples is marketing. Yes. If you just look at what's marketed, it's not a fair representative spectrum of anything. Then how is that remotely relevant? Because if you look at the this is a game. If you look at the top ten games on the fucking iTunes store, that is not remotely representative of the games that are available on the iTunes store. What brings those games to that point? It's five guys that decide which games are important important to put on that list so i think i think that the argument is tied both with the whole idea of you're arguing with 
confirmation bias with marketing, they pretty much go hand in hand in the sense that if you're only shown a certain number of games for whatever they are, those are what you're going to see. Yes, of course, if you hunt long enough and you see that there are other games, sure. But if that's not what's being shown and marketed, that's not what people understand as the culture of whatever you're like of in this case of what video games are like yes there have been games that have been made before that don't portray women as sex objects most of the games that i've seen in past years that have been brought to the forefront are the games where women are shown as sex objects so that's what people are going to see and that's what people are going to know i think what we're trying to appreciate is that this is a game that we're trying to get more people to see and say look this is an awesome game that does something that shows a new side to this it's different i agree well said we are the media here boosh or at least trying to be why'd they kill the fox man (laughs) yeah why did the fox die okay can i also say that when that when the fox did die it reminded me of Hedwig dying. I was really sad. I was really sad. Spoiler for has, spoiler for Harry Potter. Sorry <laughs> for anyone who didn't get to that part in the seventh book. Sorry, <laughs> the owl dies. <laughs> I thought Hedwig in the Angry Inch. Itch. What's the Angry Itch? I assume it's gone already. <laughs> Is that the itch on your balls that you're trying to scratch what you can't quite get to when you're sitting at work? So you have to go to the bathroom and itch it? Gonorrhea. <laughs> Gonorrhea. Why did the fox die, Craig? Are we actually having a legitimate question at this point? I have yes. an answer. I have an answer for it. All right, go ahead, Alberto. I was going to say, I mean, I f- like when the, when the fox did die, I think that it brought a little bit of an emphasis on... When they first introduced the Arctic Fox, they talked about how the Inupiaq people saw these creatures as companions. And, you know, they even talked a story about there was one that they had to basically kind of nurse it back because its mother died. They had to teach it how to hunt. And this, that, that was and for that. a bear, wasn't it? Oh, sorry. Wasn't you're right. a it baby polar bear? You're right. Correct. But even that aside... That they saw these creatures as companions and that they had their own spirit as well. And of course, yes, it could have been a fox spirit. That is an argument that could be made. But I think that because we are humans, we can relate as well to it having like a boy's spirit coming out. And I think that it was just one method that they could have used to help show that comparison that it's not just a... It seems like. Hmm. I thought. I mean, I thought it was good representation. You're hitting on it exactly. Of the game is portraying to you that the whole world is interconnected in one way or another, right? Right. That there's multiple aspects where it plays into each other, and that fox, and at the point when when it's killed by the bear, you've built a connection through the gameplay up until then or at least i had so my experience when the fox did die is i was actually i was just like fuck are you really you serious right now and that actually hit me i don't know if it hit me hard but it actually did take me back a minute and i was like i don't okay that kind of caught me by surprise but then when the spirit does come out of it it just kind of 
reiterates the the purpose that everything is connected and that even when one living being dies it doesn't necessarily mean that it's gone mm-hmm. yeah. i thought it was a good way of representing that transformation yeah. from life to death and back into the world i think it also goes to show a point about uh humans and animals not being so far apart which i thought was pretty cool so definitely same basically the connection thing you were gonna yeah. say something well I have a point, but it's pretty grumpy, and I almost don't want to say it because it's grumpy. <laughs> all right. What no is if you don't have anything nice to say, then don't say anything at all. <laughs> this is another example of the reincarnation of the fox only made sense because there were three awesome videos before it explaining why this was relevant in their society. Well, no, but the, I don't know about that. Wouldn't it have been pretty... Like a pretty strong message if the fox just died and a boy came out of it. You'd be like, oh, look, it's a dude. Like, what the fuck is this dude coming out of the boy for? Well, I mean, there's been spirits in the game. It's kind of like that, right? Yeah. The fox was a boy spirit. There is a specific video where they talk about the animals having human forms and the circle of life spirits become beings then become spirits again kind of thing all of that is really really important to contextualize why that fox stayed around after it died is it if i saw a boy just pop out of a fox in the game with no context i would probably assume it was a spirit or is that just why backlog into the lens of the videos why why would you know what we're missing you would just think that this was completely we're missing it's someone. Hohokum or something. <laughs> we're, missing, we're, missing, we're missing someone who didn't watch the videos. Damn That's it. what we need, yeah. We I, seriously need someone here that didn't watch the videos and just played the game. I did play it on PC, so I missed a couple of the videos. I was, I, I was going to ask you that earlier. I was yeah. like, what kept you playing this game when you were playing? How far did you get in, into the game before you were able to watch the videos with me? Um, like up to where I was. I wasn't. I never was able to watch the videos no, on I know, my I know, PC. No, I know, I know, but like, but so you, why, like, you were... You were. You just. I watch a, him, and the screen goes black. Yeah, there was. A, it was no a, audio. It was a glitch on oh, Steam. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't know if it was. I think it was just the Steam edition on my computer. I probably should have done a bug report. But like, how? But how far did you? Hadn't changed. How so, far did you get in the game before you came and watched the videos with me? I had. What had I done? I'd played some of this at the EMP exhibit about video games. Cool. Uh, bef- I think even before its launch. That was my first also, experience, and I watched one of the documentaries there, and was like, "Whoa!" Also, PC there or. That's a great question. I don't remember the platform. And he's using an and Xbox 360. It was probably so a PC with a game was PC. And yeah. his spirit animal is an elephant. So, <laughs> nice. So, so I feel like killing a main character is really impactful. Yeah. Right? Brothers did it. Brothers did it. And good. in Brothers, it was done very well. Fucking spoiler alert. We, are, we already mentioned that earlier, didn't we? My bad, sorry. On this podcast, we spoil all of the things. <laughs> yeah, right. This podcast, spoiler cast Guess for Brothers, Spec Ops, Harry Potter, sorry, the, and the, Never Alone. Sorry, we'll add a tag for and this And the one, Little Wayne it, song. Even <laughs> <laughs> like lasagna. It is really important that we do use this example, the Brothers, so we will add a spoiler tag for this piece. But... Brothers did it really well because they built up a really interesting, important character that they killed, and then that character was dead. This game felt like 
they used the f- a cute little fluffy animal, barely gave it any characterization, killed it because killing a cute fluffy animal is an easy, cheap way to get people to feel bad. And then after you used this cheap, easy way to make people feel bad, you immediately reversed it and brought him back to life. I never felt very connected with the fox. I mean, I liked it, but I, like I said, to me, more of the identification was with the union of the two characters. So the strength of the fox as a character, to me, actually grew once he died and it was revealed that he was a spirit. It was like, okay, oh, that it broke sense. it for me. I don't know if broke it, probably not completely, but I was more connected to the fox than I was to the spirit thereafter. I think I'm with that, Greg I, on this one. I, I, I think that's would, a very I, common thing. I agree with that. Uh, but I would, I mean, I don't know. I actually, I feel that for not giving the fox a voice, I think they did a really good job of giving the fox personality by the mere fact that you could not do certain things as the girl. Like, you could only use the fox to bring down rope so that the girl could climb. You could only use the fox to basically pour your way up walls to a higher ledge. You said that the fox didn't have a voice. Did the did the girl have a voice? Well, one, did she technically have a voice? And two, do you think that you feel like she had a voice? I think voice? part of it is we already know what personality a fox has. We already have all sorts of things we're going to write on a fox. Therefore, just presenting a fox and having the fox be fox-like is going to give us a more complete vision of a character than a girl that doesn't ever talk. And also, there are, there are, there's a couple of times in- where the girl inadvertently talks with the shaman that gives her or not shaman but the, like the guy that, that gives her the uh cool. like love that dude. there's oh my god he was so creepy no that dude was awesome what um his face was all blah, blah. he had an owl mask yeah it's so cool creepy i would cosplay the crap out of that dude if i was like two feet tall <laughs> to halloween right <laughs> <laughs> but i mean and so that's on one note but on the, the other note the fact that, like, she is a human, and, of course, unless she's deaf, or sorry, not deaf, but, like... Mute. Mute. You... There's nothing in the story that makes you think that she can't I mean, she, actually have the ability to speak. The game just is... When she spoke with people, how did it work in the game? I don't remember. Was, was it on-screen text, or... Yeah, on-screen text, and it was, like, there was, like, muffled sounds for one person versus the other. Like, Simlish or something? Good old Simlish. Fractured Ukrainian forms most of the basis for Simlish. Wow. Okay. Anyway. Learn something new every day. The other piece was, it's probably because I have a small white dog, but didn't the fox feel more like a dog to anybody else? Yeah. Nope. 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 It was just running around healing the entire game. Kind of yapping a little bit. You really don't feel like it didn't feel like a dog to you? Nope. I guess I've always Why felt did it foxes feel are kind of dog-like. Fox? Well, yeah, and what made it feel fox, distinctly their stature as well, they're not an intimidating creature. What made it feel distinctly fox-like and uncanine to you, Alberto? I think mostly because of just the way, one, the way that it moved, and... As in it, like, was, it was too pretty, slinky for a dog? It was pretty or? prancy. I don't know. I can't really explain. I just, I just didn't get, I didn't get a dog vibe. And you're a pretty, I love dogs. intimate dog person. I, I so. love dogs, but yeah, I just, I didn't get a dog vibe. That's interesting. Sorry, no, it's okay. I wish I, I wish I could explain better why, but no. 
You know what I really, really... One of the things... The gameplay piece that I really liked... What's that? Was the revisiting all of the scenes in reverse order at the end. Yeah. But but not only that, doing it as like a best ofs. Yeah. So I'm only playing for like 30 seconds on each of these maps as I run back. I mean, you could have done something completely tedious where it felt like I was playing the entire game again. Yeah. How does that but happen instead, exactly? I was terrified that, that was going tree. to happen. I mean, when yeah. you start running back and it started going through the older scenes, I was... Sitting there, going, please do not make me do some of those platforming sections. <laughs> I was thinking again, the because same I will turn thing. this goddamn thing off. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but the way that it became kind of this best ofs kind yeah. of you get little like snapshots of the environments yeah. as you and traverse I mean, back across them. And not not to like, I feel like we're, I don't want to spoil too much of brothers in this one. Terminator spoilers now. <laughs> no, you already no, spoiled who died. Seriously. There's nothing else one. you can do at he this point. He didn't say who. I didn't say which one. Oh, that's true. Anyone. All right. But uh, I mean, brothers does a similar thing too where like you like at the end you like you're going back and like you're seeing basically like where you came from and Guys, I have a in question. The bird's claw for guys, 3 seconds. Guys, I have a super what? important question. Oh, if boy. the single player of this game were able to use the brother's control mechanism of one stick for each character. Oh, God. How much better, <laughs> how much better would it be? No, it'd be way worse. With with the amount of platforming that this had, like the way that it was, I'm it would have been the, terrible. I'm assuming the platforms would be designed a little differently, but... In that sense? As um, a flat plane to walk across? Because that'd be great. I mean, the only... Well, the in only, Brothers, you had the third dimension to contend kind with. Kind of. Yeah, you did. It's two dimensions, just in the different of the two. But I think I it would know. be interesting. Yeah, I think it could be pretty cool. Yeah, and I think it would drive home the idea of the connectedness much better because I think we yeah. all yeah. of us are here. That's agree very true. That Brothers does a much better job driving home this fundamental point of connectedness than this game does. Yeah, and at, at even though the surrounding game, game around play. this is about connectedness. Yes, I think if they, I think, I think it might have pretty obviously been aping brothers if they had done that, but I think it might have been worth so, the risk. Hey, well, I, I 20 years of platformers, anyways. Yeah. The game does yeah. such a good job of contextualizing the story within the world. That would have just been an amazing addition. Like, it already does a pretty good job. That would have made it really, truly exceptional. I'd be I curious agree. if anyone's posed that question to one of the developers at this point. And yeah, I'm also if curious there about was that. Any thought that went into doing that, or reasoning why they may have this way not? I mean, it's pure speculation on our part, but be curious to hear more about the development outside of what they posted on their website. Yeah. I would guess that it's probably... Brother's control scheme is not simple. It's not really approachable. And if the thing that you're trying to do is get as many people to easily come in and play this then that could be counterproductive. Is that really true? Was Brothers that much harder to control? Mm. I mean, yes. I, I, know more, I know people that, that have not played Brothers or finished it because of how it really? controlled. And some people I remember hearing about how Thank as you. they start, yeah, they're, they're just, their brain just would not function in a way that they could get through that title. Huh. I have a lot of practice from a different game playing t- two characters going into Final Fantasy XI. I have well, a lot are we of... going to spoil Final Fantasy XI? <laughs> okay, what happens at the end of Final Fantasy XI, Will? Right? We're just going to beep out this whole section, don't worry. But seriously, what happens? 
It's an MMO. <laughs> That's one. Oh god, there is no end. Uh, there's a exactly. Sing. Uh, I'm struggling with this idea myself, and I have a feeling like you're thinking about it as t- uh, somewhat too, Nate. Is what is the difference between a really impassionate speech and propaganda? What is the difference between a really compelling story and a really cheap, easy story? Heart? I think it's the intentions behind mm-hmm. yes. the conversation. If you're trying to steer it into a function where you want the the audience to then partake immediately following it, as opposed to presenting it in a way that you're informing someone of your experiences, I think that changes how it's perceived. Why do you really feel like this verged on propaganda for you? Or is this a sticky topic in general? And that sort of anything in the vein of showing something else kind of rubs you that way. So I really didn't get that impression at all. Obviously I'm predisposed to be very interested in this, but I think you accentuate this point more than anything else where you throw away the idea of these big epic stories because, Oh, that's just, Oh, you're easy hero fantasy when, you know, you throw away these stories as, Oh, that's just hero fantasy when really it can be quite in intense and compelling. I think. And then you look at this thing and this, their stated intent is to get people to buy into this culture more and that you're, you don't, the whole point of this is that. I think that to me, first of all, I think the, the most prominent thing to say is that the way I communicate or maybe the way I think is just kind of shitty and I tend to project my opinions out as fact way stronger than um, I should. So when I say that, when I talk about, you know, hero fantasies, I talk about them very disdainfully. And that's something I've become quite conscious of. So I don't feel very comfortable with my level of disdain for the topic. But I think a lot of it stems from the fact that those are concepts I'm really uncomfortable with. And to me, it's an issue of safety. To me, there's a danger in people buying into power fantasy no- or power fantasy storylines continuously over and over. There's something dangerous about the fact that that's cathartic to people. There's something that's threatening to me and that I consciously opt out of and have since a very young age. I've said, that's not an influence I want to have in my life. And I think I've overreacted to that point. But to me, there's not only nothing to be afraid of in this kind of presentation of another culture, but I think there's something beautiful that is to be embraced about it. And I think that that's part of the reason in my huge discrepancy and appreciation. I think the way I talk about it makes it sound like no power fantasy is ever good. They're just inherently bad. That's not really how I feel as much as the fact that it's something I try not to identify with. I don't know if that really answers your question, but... Hmm. Maybe it's just a different experience. But... And I, I think that that Do you ever regret the- buying into somebody's... Do you have a similar story like mine where you bought into somebody's advertising and were burned because you bought into the advertising not understanding what the thing was that you were buying? 
No, I tend to be very brand conscientious. Not uh, I think it's more like not, I'm going to take it to a macro level and not say necessarily that buying a item, but like an idea. My life, you bought in the way you, I was raised. To me, is buying into an idea that I don't agree with, and I feel very constantly trapped in between what I was growing up to, taught, which was that you know work is life, life is work. You live to work and you work to live. And I, that was what I was taught. I wasn't really taught anything about passion or what it meant to be alive or any of the things that mean a lot to me now. And I think I'm currently in the process of sort of coming back from a really hard swing against that where all I wanted to do was just live and be free. So, yes, there is something in my life that I feel that way about. And... For me, it's that idea, that regret that I feel like I've made the wrong decision, put myself in the wrong spot, wasted a bunch of time, wasted a bunch of energy, all of this stuff that is the fear, the what I what you were talking about as the, the potential risks of uh, not necessarily understanding the this culture. I am I am all for that, but as a recruiting tool that seems scary to me that seems risky kind of in those same ways yeah i agree and i i think that it's i think that to me it kind of relates back to the propaganda versus you know heart thing it's kind of like i I lost it i lost the relevance (laughs) Sorry, that was an interesting question, but I feel like I just went down a personal path and I'm having trouble tying it back to this game. That seems more helpful in helping you understand where I come from and some of my shitty commentary about... Oh, I think it helps our listeners understand. Yeah, hopefully. I like how he used the plural. Yeah, that that is very (laughs) flattering of him. Or one listener. Any other things that we... Yeah, what, what's else, Craig? What else? Lead, lead me on a topic here. I thought it was interesting that for a title which all of us finished, there's enough things happening pushing you through, kind of pulling you through on a steel thread, that only, based on trophy data, 12.6% of players actually finished the game. And I think that a lot, actually caught me by surprise. I think a lot of people dropped out as soon as the platforming became really bad. All of a sudden, when you're like, oh my god, I have to try these scenes 17 times to progress. So, you have like 87% of people get the first trophy. So, don't know what the other 13% of people do. (laughs) But the next one is 71%. uh, So, a 16-point drop-off. And then it drops immediately down to 42 so, so, so what happened between those two 30 points? point drop off, which that next trophy is Bola expert. So. <laughs> 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 and then it continues to drop off about every 10% and then to down to just 5% drop off as you get closer and closer to the end. But you really get that significant jump between Nuna returning to the village and then avoiding the stranger with the Bola. Huh. So that that curve that 
um, hockey stick curve is typical. So it's probably not too much to buy, to read into that, but. Brothers has a higher completion percentage, and we had talked about how there are apparently a somewhat significant part of the population that has, like, structural problems with that game. So I, th- I think it is interesting that 12% is the completion rate for games shorter. This and- is a, also a free game, functionally, for a lot of people. Was it a plus game? It was a plus game. I see. Yeah. It was a PS Plus game. So well, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, this well, play the- no, never alone. And PlayStation 4 trophy data is all I'm looking at. So I'm not looking at the other platforms that it was played on across Xbox One or Steam or Mac OS. Interesting. Okay. But well, that's good to know. That's a you yeah. know big... That's a big thing, yeah. Percentage if you have no or, uh, money to get in, then you feel no guilt about stopping. You could hop in, say, eh, not really for me, and then move move right along. Oh, I'm not going to deal with this bola. Bye. I don't like the menu font. <laughs> It's insufficiently ritzy. <laughs> okay. Oh, dear. <clears throat> yeah, this is brutal. Yeah. It's a free game. I don't so. have all the achievements on Steam because I can't watch all the videos. Only 5.7% of people saw all of the vignettes. That's a mega bummer. That means six percent of people finished the game and didn't watch. Oh, you, it's well. There's two or like the two or three yeah. that you could have missed, yeah. so they might Sorry. have just continued straight on through. Recover. The- oh, that's another gripe of mine. Should I mention this? Yeah. Go ahead. There's a gameplay problem I have in that they simultaneously want you to explore every single area. And at the same time, will kill you really quick for trying to jump down places. Okay, so just a little bit more of insight on it, just because of the two little trophies. So, there's actually two separate trophies that have to do with the insights. One of them is if you found them all. So, 8.1% of people found them. The other one that I read off is actually watching them. So, that means that 2% of people, even though they saw found all the vignettes, they didn't watch all of them. Of the few that Alberto did. is offended. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> you remind me of... That is, that is curious. You remind me of this episode of uh, The West Wing. Uh-oh, Deep that's cuts. the only time that's ever going to be said on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> There's only one person smart enough to drop that reference. Where the whole time they're talking about... It's Craig's something like 26% of people yeah. think we are... Spending too much money on foreign aid and 24% people... Uh, percent of people think it should be cut and he's talking about the statistic the whole time uh-huh. and they're like what the hell why do you keep bringing this up and he's like because there's two percent of the population <laughs> that think oh, we are sh- we are spending too much money <laughs> but we should not stop it <laughs> <laughs> sorry Statistics and liars, right? <laughs> right. If we look at steam achievements now we can compare the global percentages there which is probably mostly people that actually purchased the game. 21.8% people finished the game on Steam, so there a little bit higher. Go. And it dropped off in a really pretty steady increment of about 10%, although, same point, when uh, Homecoming to Bola Expert, there's a 20% drop-off as opposed to 30 so interesting gleam so- into player habits. 
<laughs> Here's a question that I have for all of y'all. Is there a piece of information that you gleaned from any of the videos that stuck with you post after the game? Anything that you found especially interesting about the culture? Yes, the Aurora's playing football with the children's head. It's just a it's mix of so up. many different things that I can't even handle it. First of all, football? <laughs> football in the Arctic sounds fucking terrible. Well, you could probably Better than ball football from a guitar. Is that football football Snap. or soccer football? I'm pretty sure it's American football because you're throwing something. Hmm. Do they, they say throwing? Around your head, yeah. 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 I don't know. Um, uh, Getting tackled on the ice would suck. After having seen them, yeah. I wish I could go back in time and have seen the Aurora for the first time after having played this game and been like, yeah. whispered to the girl I was with, you're going to play football with your head. And her be like, dude, you're even weirder than that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there are two points that I... Th- so two things that come to mind from the videos in particular. I wrote this down that there's a spot where the older guy is beating the drum and bre- breaks the drumstick. And I just thought it was so cute. This little old man breaking the drumstick. It also reminded me of... What was it? Last to last year? During the... Seahawks victory parade. Mm-hmm. Marshawn Lynch took some the tribal drum and was beating it down the whole parade. There was a big story on the news about how he ended up because this was a very spiritual cultural you know the drum and as they said in the videos is a very cultural and significant piece of their culture and so there was a big deal made of him giving it back and then this guy is a native drum yeah oh you missed this whole thing huh yeah i didn't pay any attention to that except i went outside at noon and yelled Sorry, so there was a big point of Marshawn returning the drum to this tribal culture. Local tribe. Local tribe mm-hmm. to this person from this local tribe. And it was a really cute moment where this guy who had the drum actually went and made a new drum in their culture's oh, that's awesome. style. Rad. For him as a replacement, I mean, because he couldn't give him the one that he had like beaten because yeah. it was inappropriate. Correct. Interesting. And so he went and created one in that style for him to keep it. Thought it was really interesting. That's super cool. I wish I'd heard that. Another thing that I was thinking about as I was watching these vignettes is a book that I had once read. And unfortunately, I can't remember hardly anything else about the context of this book except that it was about a inuit kid who was growing up and losing his culture one of the things that he thought was particularly i want to read this book yeah, I, I would recommend it to you if I could yeah. remember what the heck it was. Well, if you tell me more, I'm going to find it. Listeners, if you know what it is, please let please us know in the comments. Know. Also, they- please just comment. <laughs> <laughs> wow, way to make it sound... De- please edit that part out so it doesn't sound no, so depressing. No. Please comment. Please like us. Please oh, review Jesus. us on iTunes. <laughs> please nice. find us on Facebook. You can just dicks after the first five Follow people, me on like Twitter. Promise. Add <laughs> Please just say something. <laughs> Just emopix.com. Come on. 
Emo oh. pick. I'm pretty sure that's not our website. <laughs> oh, Emo I, pics. There's I, a bunch of people crying. I go there so often, I forgot <laughs> it wasn't ours. <laughs> Sorry, we really are interrupting Will pretty bad tonight. Oh, the domain's actually for sale for emopics.com. Oh, oh with, an, with an X or? Yeah, with an X. Because <laughs> you have to. Yeah. We There's a bunch of German on the page, though. Emopix.pod or something. <laughs> anyway, and so early in the book, he leaves and goes to the big city or something like that. I can't really remember. But the part of this, the book that continues to stick in my mind is him talking about how they had whale meat in the village. And it was a similar situation where the the whole village had, the, had or, you know, somebody brought home one whale and they split it out among all the people in the village and he talks about how he was cutting a raw piece of whale meat and throwing it in his mouth and he talked about how he completely understood that it was ridiculously dangerous and stupid for him to be eating raw whale meat that he understood that there were all of these diseases that he could catch this kind of thing and that it was just a dangerous thing to do there was just something about the texture and the taste of it. So it was kind of this whale sushi thing. And it that, more than anything, was just kind of this interesting... I, I feel like that is a similar thought to what you've expressed, Nate, where it's kind of a simpler, more... Uh, more vibrant, almost feeling way to live with with what surrounds you yeah and yeah there's something very powerful about it i think so who's up for whale sushi given not me no yeah but i will have whale testicle beer dude so after let's go to iceland after going to the uh boston aquarium with you i I still am Bastin. waiting for the time. Yeah, Bastin. I'm still waiting for the time hey, when I can Bastin uh, later this year, <laughs> where I can um, sponsor a whale. Fuck yeah, that sounds awesome. Frat I want to sponsor a fox. <laughs> to wrap up, I guess I'll start with some of my thoughts. This is a very cool game. This is a game that's an inspiration about what games can be. This is the idea of bringing representation to a new level. Uh, this is the idea of helping something survive that may or may not be going away in the next few generations. The Eurogamer review of this was written by an American Indian, and they said that they approached the game with the perspective of their resounding thoughts in their culture are very, or is very much, it's a good day to die. And the fact of the matter is, if you come from this culture, you have this view of your culture as basically being on the way out. I think it's beautiful to see this either hopefully slowing, maybe reversing, but at least slowing, and at the very worst, preserving a culture that might be gone forever soon. And I think that that's something that's very important. I think that in my undergraduate work, I learned a lot about language, and the rate at which languages are dying out is quite appalling. And among many linguists, it's basically a race to run around the world documenting as much as we can, because they're going away so fast. I think that it you know, in some ways, it's very similar with culture. This is basically 
a very limited scope ethnography of a game, which is just really cool. And I think that it's very beautiful in a way that's almost personal to me, despite having a very sad lack of experience dealing with these kind of matters firsthand. It's, it's very cool. Um, I think that's really all I can say about it. How about you, Will? What would you say? I still like the idea of scoring this game. And this is what my thoughts are on that idea. I typically start from a good, well-complete game for me sits at an 8. And so I start from that point of reference, and I look at all of the things that this, as a game, failed to do. And it almost immediately drops from an 8 for me at that point. And as a game, it just didn't... It, I, I am a huge fan of using games as a medium for getting across a point. But what this thing did not do was get the, those things across in the game and did not make a good game to do that. What this game did amazingly well was actually get across those points that they as a community wanted to get across. It just didn't turn it into a good game. I, I think about I have, over the course of my lifetime, had some computer-assisted learning where I learned how a circuit worked from a computer and then took tests. This was a far more in-depth, engaging, interesting way to learn than anything else that I've ever experienced. This was far better learning tool. I mean, I did... What was it? Mavis Beeson, Beeson teaches typing or reading Mavis or something. Beacon. Should have played the Garfield teaches typing game. These things that were the whole point was to it was the what do they call that edutainment? I think yeah. so. Yeah. Where yep. it's a lightly veiled game, but it's actually a learning tool. This thing it's like frog did, fractions. <laughs> not like frog fractions. <laughs> no but i better call my local gamestop so as a piece of edutainment this thing is a masterwork and so while i think that this thing i feel like what this thing lacked in it being a good game it made up for in its ability to get its message across. And so at the end of the day, I feel like this does feel like an eight to me. How about you, Craig? So along Will's point, the edutainment factor or education that can be gleaned from the experience that they present here, I thought it was actually done really well. The documentary pieces, I enjoy documentaries outside of video games and trying to learn new stuff. So having that presented here interspersed with the gameplay, I thought was a great idea. The implementation is the part that causes me some heartache because I would love to be able to put this in front of anyone and say, look at what the medium is doing. You're combining some fascinating historical reference as well as integrating into the gameplay. But because of some of the platforming and other shortcomings that we spoke about, I don't think it quite reaches that level. But as far as an experience, 
just to learn about a different culture that I literally had the most baseline knowledge of. Um, I thought it was a fascinating kind of experience to go through, especially with the length, to be able to just spend a couple hours getting to know that culture and then kind of move forward. It, I think it was uh, perfect for what that was trying to go for. And especially if you're already a PlayStation Plus member and you're able to download it for free, then I think it's well worth your time to at least go through the experience and see what it has to offer for, to you. Because I think no matter who you are when you come into it, I think if you open your mind up, then you're going to enjoy or at least come out of it with some value. Absolutely. What about you, Alberto? I So I absolutely love this game. I will preface this by saying that I wish that I could rate it higher than I will be, but I think that it's a really good game for, like, if you're not, you know, someone that plays games all the time, but if you want to maybe be introduced to, you know, say, for instance, if you're dating someone who plays games all the time, I think this would be, like, a nice game if you wanted to do a simple little co-op with your significant other who really enjoys playing games, and they have this to like to definitely do it it's a very fun little game like that it's not too difficult it's short it's great but more importantly for that it's the story for it is so like i feel right now that i loved how much i learned about the culture and i love also the fact that i feel like i've only scratched the surface with this game they they give you so much information about what it's like what you know the differences between their culture and ours and I have no doubt in my mind that after playing this game, there's so much more that I still don't know, and I'm so intrigued to find out more about this culture. Yeah, there were some glitches with gameplay, this, that, and the other. It was short enough of a game where, you know, those glitches didn't last for too long. It wasn't too frustrating in the long run. And as we've said also, like, if you've got it on PlayStation Plus, it's not going to kill you to play because you got it for free. (laughs) Um, And even looking right now, it's like, I think it's $15 when I saw it. I would say that that's a reasonable price to pay for this. It's like the the experience that you're going to get from it if you're interested in learning more about a different culture, definitely buy it, you know. With all of that said, I would I could go on for a lot longer. I would give it about an 8. Awesome. I think that about wraps us up here. I definitely think Believe and hope that this is the beginning of more games to come along these same lines. Yep. I think Will said it very well about the edutainment. I think this game did it well. I hope that they're involved in future games, and I'm excited to see them refine the actual gamey parts and see what kind of comes next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can't wait. This brings us to the end of another awesome episode of the Emotive Pixels podcast. If you want more from us, you can find us on iTunes and at our webpage, www.emotivepixelspodcast.com. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash emotivepixels, or follow us on Twitter at emotivepixels. And as always, keep keep on playing. playing!